0: another edition of the second and goal fantasy podcast i'm calvin your host here with you as always and in today's show we'll be reacting to week two of fantasy football and i'll give my week three waiver wire picks for you guys this week our second if i'm remembering right reaction show of the year Uh, Yes, it is our second. Uh, Everything's meshing together at this point, but it's good that the season is well underway. We've got two weeks to talk about instead of just one. I'm excited to be here today. And yeah, now we get some additional narratives outside of just one week. Good to see some things settle down. Concerning to see some things continuing. Some guys who are continuing not to live up to expectations. And we've seen a lot of Breakouts who have now started to establish themselves really after two weeks of football. So it's good to see some things develop. And we'll be talking about all that on today's show. Like I said, I've got reactions here in the note sheet. And then after that, I'll be talking waiver wire. Um, week two also seems to be the week for every year for tons of injuries. So I'll be going over all of those quickly before we start. Um, once again, a reminder that the waiver wire picks are guys that are owned in 40% or less of ESPN leagues. I'll go through them with you, uh, talk about when you might need them, who you should target stuff like that. So it's going to be a fun episode. I'm excited to be here today. I had a less than stellar week of fantasy football. I was able to get the victory in my redraft league, but I'm in the dynasty league for me it's looking like a long shot. You'll probably know what happened because Monday night football has already happened. But I do not I'm need Swift, DeAndre Swift, Aaron Jones and TJ Hawkinson to get me 64 to go get the win. So I've got a 3% win probability on Sleeper. That's not likely. And we don't have to talk about what happened in the Scott Fishbowl. If you want to find out what happened to me in the Scott Fishbowl, just go scroll through my Twitter page for a bit and you'll see, you'll see it all. It was really a total disaster, but <laughs> we can move on. So I'm going to be one in one in all three of my leagues after week two, which is kind of frustrating after the two and one start to just, Lose in both the leagues I won in, and then win in the league I lost in. Although I mean, it's good to win in that league. I'm actually very excited for my redraft team because I scored the most points out of any losing team in week one, and then in week two it looks like I'm gonna win. I just made a trade for Saquon Barkley as well. I'm trying to go all in, trying to. I'm after I've won a championship in this league in the three years it's been around. The other two years I finished fifth and fourth, so I'm trying to get out of the middle of the pack basically. So my team is gonna be Ryan Tannehill, Dalvin Cook, Saquon Barkley. Terry McLaurin, Kenny Galladay, Kyle Pitts, and Jared Cook. Uh, At Flex, Javante Williams, Jamar Chase, Corey Davis, Marvin Jones. Um, I'm actually pretty happy about this team. And then a few other assets on the bench. I'm excited for it. I feel like this team has a lot of potential. If Saquon can get back to RB1 status, I really feel like it'll be great. And I'm still waiting on that Kenny Galladay breakout. But especially like late in the season when Javante Williams gets his nice schedule and he hopefully will get more of the workload. He's already out touching Melvin Gordon early, which is really positive, a positive sign. But, um, so yeah, I'm very excited for that squad. Um, and dynasty, not doing too bad either. I just, um, I ended up, I've still scored like a decent amount of points. I scored like, I think the second most out of my league in week one. Now in week two, I scored like an eh kind of amount and then just lost. So, uh, yeah, but overall, and then Scott Fishbowl, and go check my Twitter page at Calvin underscore and you'll see all you need to know. Anyway, I guess let's get into some news. Yeah, I'll talk some injuries, and then we can get into reactions. So like I said, week two injury bug coming up again this year. Uh, I'm just going to go in the order that it displays on NFL.com. Cleveland Browns receiver Jarvis Landry suffered a knee injury in the first quarter and did not return against the Texans. Um, I'm just quoting directly from the site, by the way. Um, and Coach Kevin Stefanski said after the game that Landry has an MCL injury and will undergo an MRI. Uh, Miami Dolphins, that's, I mean, obviously, I don't know if that affects the rest of the team that much uh, other than, I mean, it'll give some more targets for guys like Donovan Peoples-Jones and Rashard Higgins, but not too much effect there. Uh, I'm going to try to go through these quickly because there's a lot. Miami Dolphins quarterback Tua Tagovailoa exited the first quarter of Sunday's game against the Bills with a rib injury and was ruled out. So Jacoby Brissett came in, didn't play too horribly, I don't think. Uh, Minnesota Vikings running back Dalvin Cook limped off the field in the fourth quarter, but managed to return. Ankle sprain, but Mike Zimmer's not too concerned with its severity. Um, Steelers had a lot of injuries, uh, not anything particularly fantasy relevant. Uh, Russell Gage didn't return to the game with an ankle injury. Mari Cooper got hurt briefly for the Cowboys, but made a return. Um, Andy Dalton got hurt for the bears knee injury. I think he has a bone bruise and now it's Justin Fields time. Potentially Dalton's status for week three is unclear. This does help the offense. It's going to make it a lot more explosive. I think I do have some concerns with fields, especially his ability to make good decisions consistently against the blitz, but I still think that anything's got to be better than what they've got right now with Andy Dalton. Uh, Daryl Henderson exited the game early against Indianapolis. Carson Wentz exited the game early against um uh in his game. For some reason it didn't show who's again it's against. And I'm blanking, even though I know who it's against. It was the uh, just looking real quick. Sorry. Uh the Rams. Oh, of course. Were, yeah, I for some reason I I blanked on that and was relying on the sheet and it didn't show me. Uh Trey Sermon, Elijah Mitchell, Jamichael Hasty all got hurt. Uh, it says they didn't return. I thought Elijah Mitchell had returned at some point during that game. But, I mean, basically now with Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson hurt long-term and Trey Sermon, Elijah Mitchell, and Jamichael Hasty unclear, it's possible that the 49ers are without all of their top five running backs on the depth chart, leaving the sixth stringer, Carryon Johnson from the practice squad to potentially be the starter. Tyrod Taylor got hurt for the Texans. That's unfortunate. Another bad break for him. He was playing well. Uh, Davis Mills got replaced. Nico Collins, Danny Mandola also ruled out for the, that game. They left early. Um, James O'Shaughnessy got hurt, left early. And yeah, that's about it. So some a lot of injuries, as you can tell. All of these, None of these have a crazy impact for fantasy football, but it's just a lot to take in in week two. But we got a lot of reactions to discuss. So let's get into that right now. All right. Talking reactions. We got less than week one, but there's still plenty here in week two. Tony Pollard and Zeke were both top six running backs on the week. Tony Pollard was the more efficient of the two. I believe he topped 100 yards. Both of them got into the end zone and Tony Pollard looked really good. I think there are a lot of like uh, the narrative out in the world is that Tony Pollard is better than Zeke and deserves to take the starting job. I'm not ready to say that yet, but he was certainly more efficient. But the fact is that he came in as a change of pace back. He did get a lot of carries 13 for one Oh nine in a score, but Zeke is still considered the starter and being keyed on more on deep by defenses when he's on the field. That is still the case. And so it's not as if Zeke is automatically the worst running back because of a little bit more efficiency from the backup. Zeke had 16 carries for 71 yards and touchdown, not too bad at all, but Pollard is definitely a great player, but I don't, I think it's too early to say that he's better than Zeke at this point. And I think, pollard is a guy that you should be looking for in your waiver wire you got to keep zeke in your lineup he did give you a solid fantasy performance this week pollard is the guy that you can potentially flex now as we've seen i mean we didn't see a ton in week one so it's certainly risky but week two derrick henry rb1 on the week with a massive workload three touchdowns 35 touches something like that had like five catches this is it. We, it's still Derrick Henry. He's the outlier year after year. He does this. He could be on his way to another two thousand yard season, especially with the um, um, seventeen game season. And I was wrong about the touch count. He had thirty five carries for one hundred eighty two yards and three touchdowns. He also had six catches. This is like an incredibly like incredible beast of a human who will just punish defenses over and over and over. And the regression is just not coming for him. It's insane. 41 touches. It looks like one of his old high school lines, if you've ever looked at those. He's getting passing game work, too. I don't understand. He's just completely unstoppable. So durable. He is one of the most valuable running backs to currently own in fantasy football. There's no question. Next, uh, now to a situation that's not really as clear. Antonio Gibson was pretty quiet in Washington's Thursday night game against the Giants. J.D. McKissick finishes the RB6. Gibson was the RB24. I'm not too worried. I mean, Gibson got a decent amount of work. He just wasn't used in the passing game and on, on as many snaps as he was in week one. This doesn't mean you should be starting McKissick, although he's obviously worth a waiver wire pickup if he's available in your league, but and you should be starting Gibson. I'm not too concerned. Gibson hasn't gotten into the end zone, but he will get usage in the passing game because I still believe he's a, while JD McKissick is a very good pass catcher, that Gibson is better. Brandon Ayuk is held to one catch on the week after getting zero. 49ers seem to be willing to throw to pretty much everyone except Brandon Iuke. And it's sad to see. I don't know why. I mean, I don't know why Brandon Iuke's not getting used because he was very good last year, but he is unstartable right now. I wouldn't say drop him yet because of what we saw last year, but, To be completely honest, we are getting to that point where you've got to start considering, is this guy really worth having on my roster? Jawan Jennings, who I not even, I'll be completely honest, I hadn't heard of before he caught his touchdown pass, had more fantasy points than Brandon Ayuk this week. And it was really, really bad for him. It's just his second straight week outside of the top 100 fantasy receivers. So Brandon Ayuk is unstartable now. Daniel Jones had a big game versus the Washington football team. Um, he finished as the quarterback four had a lot of rushing, like 95 yards and touchdown something on the ground, like something like that. But Kenny Galladay was still quiet, had eight targets, but only for three catches. And this is frustrating because watching that game, it really just seemed like the team isn't willing to give Kenny Galladay a chance to do what he does best. Kenny Galladay is not a separator. The stats will show you that he's actually not been getting very much separation so far this year. He is a jump ball and contested catch guy. He will win catches or win deep balls and score touchdowns. And that's how he needs to be used with a gunslinger like Daniel Jones. They need to open up the playbook a little bit more and let Kenny Galladay get the ball. And this is the perfect time to do it against the Falcons. They can blitz blitz Atlanta with Galladay on deep balls and he can be amazing for my fantasy team. So I'm not giving up yet, but this is going to be a major prove it week for Kenny Galladay in week three against Atlanta. I would say you can still, you should still start him. I mean, if you have a better option, who's been playing really well, then you don't have to, but he's still worth a start. Um, Cooper cup explodes as the wide receiver one on the week. Cooper cup was a guy I've been rising on throughout the off season. Didn't give him as much hype as I should have. I kind of just late in the off season, It almost felt like, oh man, I'm realizing that this guy really has a high ceiling that isn't being talked about, but he is, I don't understand the comparison. I never understood the comparison between Cooper cup and Robert Woods and why Robert Woods was going up higher than Cooper cup because Cooper cup is just more explosive. We'll get more big plays and otherwise they're the same. And Matthew Stafford has proven he is more willing to target cup in my preseason rankings. I had Cooper cup as the wide receiver 19, which looks laughably low right now. Robert Woods is the wide receiver 22, but yeah, I should have moved him up more than I did. I don't really understand why I never really could get behind like moving him up even further than the wide receiver 19. Kyler Lockett continues his run of brilliance with a second straight top four week we haven't seen the painful inconsistency that plagued fantasy managers from Tyler Lockett last year. So as you should still keep starting him, he's currently the wide receiver one in fantasy. So, um, I mean, those bust weeks could be coming. I warned against the Tyler Lockett pick in the off season. I'm a little more comfortable with him now, but I mean, it's still only two weeks and I mean, it's not completely out of the blue. I mean, I always knew that Tyler Lockett was going to get uh blow up weeks. Obviously it happening in the first two weeks was something I didn't foresee, but, he, um it's still something to keep an eye on, but still keep him in your lineup, obviously. Rondale Moore has a great day. He had something like eight receptions for 114 yards and a touchdown after getting like five or six targets last week. Rondale Moore looks very involved in this offense, and the Cardinals have had a lot of shootout, a, a couple of shootout high-scoring games to start the season, but it's really good to see the rookie Rondale Moore contributing right away, and he is maybe the top, waiver wire ad this week obviously this passing volume is something that may not continue all the time but he's a guy that you need to spend fab on if he's available in your league um how much i, I guess re- depends on how your team is built but i really i i think that maybe um 40 50 percent of your fab is definitely worth it if you want to make an aggressive bid on rondale Moore. Uh for those who don't know fab is free agent acquisition budget and you can use it to in place of like a standard waiver system to acquire players, which I would recommend you switch your league to it. There's a bit of a learning curve, but it's fun. And I've switched my leagues to it um, this year. Uh, Mike Williams looks very, very good again this week. He's being targeted heavily by Justin Herbert, scores 15.1 fantasy points this week, is a wide receiver one. So he was already paying off on his late round investment. If you gave him one, Uh, he really filled a void of the wide receiver two on the chargers. Terry McLaurin is still Terry McLaurin. He proved that despite Taylor Heineke, I mean, Taylor Heineke played a great game on Thursday, but t- Terry McLaurin was the wide receiver, eight, 14 targets. He's great. Uh, Kyle Pitts handles major targets and has a better game, five receptions for 73 yards for Kyle Pitts, no touchdowns. And uh, oh, I just realized, by the way, the last couple point totals I read were actually in standard scoring leagues, not ha- half PPR. So, uh, like we cover on the show, but. Um, so just letting you know, but Kyle Pitts was the tight end seven on the week, five receptions for 73 yards, no touchdowns though. Zach Wilson looked awful with four picks. This, I mean, against new England, it's something that maybe definitely kind of sort of could have been foreseen. He finished as the quarterback 41 on the week behind guys like Jacoby Brissett, Davis Mills, Andy Dalton, who left the game early with an injury. It was really, really bad for Zach Wilson and, um, I personally had a lot of struggles with this him him and SFB as well. Um, so yeah, twenty five to six loss to New England D- isn't looking any better against Denver's tough secondary. I think Corey Davis is a start if you have to, but he couldn't do anything when Zach Wilson couldn't. So I'm trying to generally avoid Jets if I can. Corey Davis last week had two catches for eight yards on five targets. I'm still excited for him. This isn't going to be like this every week, but Zach Wilson just looked terrible. Don't give up yet though. I'm not giving up on my evaluation. Still the best quarterback in this draft class. You heard it here first. Or you heard it here. One one of the first places you heard it. Um, Let's move on to Wave Wire. All right. These are guys, once again, that are owned in 40% or less of ESPN leagues. Starting off with Rondale Moore. Kind of already talked about him. He is explosive. A speed guy. I was wondering... I had some cons- minor concerns about whether his pure his approach of not pure speed, but that his pri- using speed as his primary weapon will work out in the NFL. If he's not as polished in other areas so far, it really has um, Tony Pollard. He's you got to go add him. He's looking like a Jamal Williams type of guy where he could potentially give you flex spots out of the backup running back role. A.J. Dillon, and he's very efficient and gets reception. So go get him. Zach Pascal, number three, has had two big games to start the year. Uh, he looks to be a target of Carson Wentz, and I know Carson Wentz left, but I mean Jacob Eason will still throw to him if he gets open. Uh, Pascal, as I look at the stats, twelve point three fantasy points for this week. Um, has had eleven targets over his first two weeks. He played the Rams and this week, and gets Tennessee, so he's a good spot streaming start if you need one. So go put a claim. He should be relatively cheap. Uh, Philip Lindsay. He's still worth an ad. He had like five carries for two yards this week, but if you need a running back, he's there. Uh, He scored a touchdown again, so uh, it's not looking too great. But again, that was against Cleveland, who um, was at least able to somewhat dominate the game. Then Cordero Patterson. This actually might be a better waiver ad than Phillip Lindsay. I know I put him last, but I think Patterson was actually, he looked very, very good this week. Um, I think he's a guy, yeah, he's a guy that you can currently start in your RB spot. And he actually touched the ball 12 times, had five receptions and a touchdown catch week after touching it nine times, having 7.7 7 fantasy points. Um, so yeah, Patterson's looked very, very solid. He's involved a lot. So yeah, on second thought I would actually take Cordero Patterson over Philip Lindsay. I don't know if his workload can be too trustworthy in the future, but yeah, I would take Patterson over Lindsay. All right, that's it. Thank you guys for listening. Make sure to subscribe if you haven't already. Follow me on Twitter at Calvin underscore SGF. Uh, that's where you can find the dreaded Scout Fishbowl story of this week. Um, so something to look for, something to do after the pod, after you're done listening to this, which this podcast is about to end. Uh, follow the podcast account on Twitter at SGF pod for updates. Follow the live show at SG Sports Talk and go subscribe to Second Goal Sports Talk on YouTube. Thank you guys for listening. I'm excited to record again on Wednesday and release on Thursday, and I'll see you next time.